Hey, this is Pastor Hubbard. I'm the pastor of Connecting Fellowship and welcome to Life on the Ship. Thank you for joining us. I pray this sermonic discussion inspires you and empowers you to connect with the true and living God. Enjoy the message. Muhammad Ali knows about guarantees. Before the 1965 rematch uh, with Sonny Liston, uh, the greatest told reporters that he had a dream that night about the fight in which he knocked out Sonny Liston in the first round. His dream came true. His phantom punch matted Liston before the two-minute mark. Joe Namath would have looked like a fool had his Super Bowl prediction not come true. Broadway Joe went out on a limb and guaranteed a victory over the Colts in the Super Bowl. The Jets were a 19-point underdog. But y'all, New York defeated the Colts 16-7 in the Super Bowl. The most famous guarantee is when Jesus told his disciples that he would suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, by the priests and the teachers of the law, and be killed. Ah, here's the guarantee. But in three days, did I say three days? He would rise up from the dead. Y'all, you know what happened, don't you? Early one Sunday morning, Jesus got up with not just some power, but with all power. That's the best guarantee. Because of that guarantee, God guarantees that you and I can have the best year of our life if we don't act like a senseless horse. Can I prove it to you? Turn with me to Psalm chapter 32, verse 8 and 9. You'll find these words reading from the New Living Translation. The Lord says, Psalms 32, verse 8 and 9. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. That's what the word of God says. Y'all, Psalms 32 is commonly connected to Psalm 30, Psalms 51. Some have suggested that with the experience of confession and forgiveness of sin, that this psalm should be classified as a penitential psalm. Because of the brevity of time and the immensity of this psalm, I want to do a running commentary on verses 1 through 7 and then hang my hat on verses 8 and 9, if you don't mind. It has been well said that if you want to know the intricacies of a subject, call an expert on the matter. David is such a one to help us out. 
Although David was one of the greatest saints, one of the greatest sages of scripture, he was also one of the greatest sinners in scriptures. His sin of adultery and with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah was atrocious. In Psalm 32, David shares with us the nature of sin. What happens when it is concealed, confessed, cleansed, and conquered? Hmm. R.G. Lee states that sin is like a river. It begins as a quiet spring, but then it ends up in a tumultuous sea. Sin is the power that reverse bans nature, destroyed the harmony of his power through him and woefully deranged him. Sin. Sin is the evil that subverted the constitutional order of man's nature, dismantled him of his nobility, and brought him in unconditional surrender to satanic and diabolical power. In Hebrew, there are 15 different words for sin in the Old Testament. And David, within two verses, uses four of them. Transgression, sin, iniquity, and guile. According to John Philip, David said that sin is defiant. That is the word transgression. And it means to go against, to rebel against God's law. Then sin is a defect. That is the word sin itself. It is the word that means to miss the mark, to fall short of the glory of God. It indicates that something is missing in one's life. Then sin is a distortion. Iniquity is that word, and it denotes perverseness. The Hebrew word means crooked, bent in the wrong direction. And then sin is a deception. That's the word guile here. It stands for deceitfulness in speech and conversation. Y'all, in his sin, David with Bathsheba and murder, he murdered, did I say murder? Murdered her husband, Uriah, acted in rebellion to divine authority. He missed the mark of God's glory demonstrated crookedness in his heart and tried to deceitfully hide his sin. When that didn't fail, he just pretended like nothing was wrong. No wonder David says, praise is what I do. In verses 1 and 2, he said, blessed is those whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sins is covered. In my sanctified imagination, I believe David started singing Milton Bronson's song, I'm free. Ah, praise the Lord, I'm free. No longer bound, no more change holding me. My soul is resting. It's just a blessing. Praise the Lord. I'm free. Somebody missed this shock you. Uh, the bankruptcy of his sin and ours have been taken away, have been taken care of. Only the omnipotent God who controls all the factors of time and space removed our sins and its consequences. That's the pleasure. Verse 3 and 4 gives us the penalty of David's unconfessed sins. 
David tried to hide his sins even from God. People knew what he had done. David paid a penalty for trying to conceal his sins. He had been a healthy man. But because of his concealed sin had sapped his strength. It took a physical toll on him. He was once a happy man. But the horror of the concealed sin drove him to groans and sobbing because the heavy hand of God was on him. May I throw in something parenthetically? If you want to have the worst year of your life, don't confess your sins to God. In verse 5, David experienced God's pardon. Finally, I confess all my sins to you. And stop trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, David talking, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me all that I say, all, all my guilt is gone. The path is shown in verses 6 and 7. It's good to get out of the condemned jail. But it's better to live a godly life after being pardoned. Unless sin in the life is conquered, a pardon is just a license to sin again. So David shares three things to keep us from being a repeated offender. He says, you ought to pray to God. You ought to stay under his protection. And you ought to praise him for the victory. Now we come the verses 8 and 9. And the speaker of the text changes. It was David before, but now the Lord takes the mic. The Lord takes over the conversation. He promises guidance, protection, plus some additional help for holy hints so that we can have the best year of our lives. Now, David's fellowship has been restored. Now divine guidance is possible for him to receive. So it is with us. Once we stop concealing our sins and confess them, God cleanses us and helps us to conquer our sin. Sin keeps us from responding properly to God. If you want to have the best year of your life, here's one. Let God guide you. God begins by putting us in the classroom here. Uh, the textbook is the Bible. The teacher is the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will guide you along the best, did I say the best? The best pathway for your life. I will advise you. He will navigate us not to a death trap, but to the best pathway. The Bible has a plethora of principles. If practiced, it will keep us from making foolish and sometimes fatal mistakes. You're not fitting me like I need you to. A Christian lady is contemplating marrying this wonderful man. He treats her like a queen. He looks good. The brother's fine. Charming personality. Successful entrepreneur, financially secure, no children. And if you have children, he's the ideal daddy. Never been married, ready for you to pick out the house and the car of your dreams. 
He's put a ring on it, five-carat diamond. <clears throat> Only one problem. He's not a believer. Should you marry him as is? <laughs> hoping, hoping that he gets saved. Somebody hoping that he's going to get saved later? <laughs> well, God has spoken. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Don't do Bruno Mars. Don't leave the door open. <laughs> Shut that door. <laughs> Y'all, this verse is tailored to teach us that God will guide us. This is to show us the road map. He'll show us the road map. And then he's kind enough to give us specific, sometimes step-by-step -step instructions on how to get to the design destiny for you. Uh, if you want to assemble a piece of furniture, uh, you need to get to follow. You need to follow the step-by-step -step instruction. And avoid, if you do that, then you avoid having to take it apart again and reassemble it again, yeah. if you follow the instruction. But y'all, many of us don't want to follow the step-by-step -step instructions of God. We follow them partially. Then we become frustrated and angry, and then we want to give up. But if we pick up the instructions, God's word, Follow him completely, understanding that the manufacturer, God, our creator, knows what he's doing. We will experience success and have an amazing and an awesome life. Don't get it twisted now. This does not mean that you will be exempt from troubles and tribulation, but he still will be with you. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 11 said, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. I know the plans and plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope yeah. uh, and a future. God has outlined and ordained a prosperous life for us. He guides and instructs us by giving us the exact tools we need to do a specific journey that was designed just for us. He presents instructions in a way that we can follow through the help of the Holy Spirit. If you don't make it to your divine design, it ain't God's fault. It's ours. If you want to have the best year of your life, let God guide you. I see something else in the text. God says, I will advise you, and I will watch over you. Right. The King James Version says, I will guide you with my eyes. Mm -hmm. God is looking out for us. Yeah, he sees going. what we cannot see. Yeah. He's not leading us blindly, but rather he is purposely guiding and guarding us. Yeah. The great thing about Moses' journey was that God constantly guided and guarded him. When his mother placed him in a basket to float in the Nile River, trying to save his life from the Pharaoh, 
who was murdering babies, boys at the time. God made sure that I said he made sure, made sure that he was found by Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own and paid his mother to raise him in the way of the Lord as a prince of Egypt. Later, Moses gets needs more guidance and more guarding so that God can use him in his plan to bring the nation of Israel out of slavery. Growing up in church, <laughs> as a little boy, my mother, Doris Jean Doug, had the ability to guide and guard us with her eyes while playing the piano. Y'all ain't feeling me like I need you to. Y'all, we were in the same building. Uh, and But we could feel her. Uh, we could feel her looking at us. And y'all, she had a diagnose, a dialogue with us without even saying a word. But her eyes spoke volumes. Uh, it said, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you talking in church? You need to move to the front. If you don't stop talking, I'm going to beat your behind. And y'all, sometimes I'll be crying in church, and it wasn't because of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I knew what was going to happen at home. Y'all, she was guarding and guiding at the same time. The good news is that God God guides us and he guards us. In fact, Fred, Fred Hammond sang the song, Jesus, be a fence ah, all around us every day. I want you to protect me as I travel along the way. I know you can. I know you will. Fight my battle if I just Keep still. Lord, be a fist around me every day. Y'all, he can protect you better than any security system. Let God be the fist around you. Let God guide you. Let him guide you. Let him guard you. That's one more thing in there. It's in verse 9. Verse 9 says, don't be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs a bridle and a bit. I'm not putting the bit in. <laughs> he says, in other words, let me govern you. The horse has a nature which makes him run wild. The mule has a nature which makes him refuse to move. The Lord does not wish to handle us like a dumb beast with an unwillful nature. He does not, did I say does not, does not want to brighter us. The only way you govern a beast, a burden, is to put a bit in his mouth. Here's a bit. And a bridle on his head. Then he must do what the master said. God expects us to have more sense than a horse. 
more sense than a senseless mule. The Lord advises the readers to submit and be governed by the Lord rather than resist stubbornly like a horse or a mule that must be controlled. God prefers <laughs> to govern us gently. God, in essence, says, don't be like a mule. Don't be like the senseless horse that must be controlled by a bit and a bridle. Let him govern you. God longs to guide us with love and wisdom rather than punish us. He wants us to accept the advice written in his word and don't act, don't be, don't be so stubborn that you can't obey his word. Amen. Let me close it with this. On my phone, my phone uh, has a GPS system, uh, global positioning system, uh, and I have the application ways on there. Uh, I know my current, uh, it, it knows my current location on here, uh, and I, I can put in my desired destination. Uh, Waze provides a guide, a map that will get me to my destination. It also offers me step-by-step -step instructions to get me to that destination. Now, I must trust the instructions to make it to the destination. Y'all, Waze tells me the distance, and it tells me when to turn. It says, in one mile, turn left. Right. Yep. Although Waze gives me the instruction, it's up to me to follow. And if I'm honest with myself and honest with y'all, I don't always follow the instructions. Yep. Sometimes I know better ways than ways, and and then it causes me to have a delay in getting to my destination. Okay. Wade guides, but Wade also guards me for my benefit. It lets me know what, when I'm making the wrong turn, yep. going the wrong way, yep. going over the speed limit, yep. where there's debris in the streets, yep. where the police is. Where the accident is, it lets me know about traffic ahead and possible delays. Ways govern me by indicating slow down in certain areas. If I want to have the best driving experience free of citation, it would be wise if I let ways guide, guard, and govern me. Then I will get to my destination in a timely manner All right. without a citation. All right. These verses yes. tell us about another GPS system. All right. All right. God's positioning system. Yes. God can guide, God can guard, yes. and God can govern us better than any GPS system, including Waze, Apple, and Google Maps. 
If we let God guide us, follow his instructions, and trust his advice, God us and govern us, we will have the best year. Did I say the best year? The best year of our life. With God, we have sanctification. We have salvation and security. God knows your location and your desired destination. He, too, provides a map. Choose to use step-by-step instruction Uh through his word. If I ignore his advice, it will cause me to delay my destination, maybe be denied of my destination. Let God guard you and guide you. He will protect you from danger seen and unseen. Ah, he will let you know where Satan and sin is. Tell you to turn around. Tell you to hold up now. Tell you to go another way. Provide a way of escape for you. Tell you to take up and this way. Tell you to go another way. Turn this way. He will tell you don't go there. Tell you there's trouble ahead of you. But the trouble, don't worry about it because I am with you and I will make sure that you will make it. He will put you where you need to be. He will be with you. He will strengthen you, help you, and hold you up with his righteous right hand. He will tell you that no weapon mm, formed against you will prosper. Let God govern you. Don't be like the stubborn mule that needs a divine discipline, a bit and a brighter, but follow him. And if you do, you will have the best year of your life. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another uplifting and inspiring message by Pastor Hubbard and the staff of Life on the Ship. For more information about our church, go to connectingfellowship.org. We are Connecting Fellowship, connecting people to Christ, church, and community. Thank you again for listening. Have a great week and God bless you.